Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Hey, if I could just tell you about something that I think could be so helpful to you. We just concluded our pastor's conference. Every year we do the North Texas Leadership Conference. To be honest, we weren't sure what to expect. We weren't sure if anyone would come, but we were amazed. We were absolutely amazed at how many pastors from all over the nation showed up for the conference. To each one of you, I want to say thank you. It was amazing. I felt it was the best conference we have ever had and are more than 20 plus years of putting it on. That being said, I want to give those of you that weren't here and even some of you that were here an opportunity. And the opportunity is this, to get the lessons that I taught at the conference. My first lesson that I taught was questions I had to answer. It deals with the questions I've had to answer since March 15th. The amazing thing about this lesson was Bishop Del Bronner. Many of you know Del. He's one of the finest, most articulate leaders in our nation. He came to me afterwards and he said, Gerald, you have thought through the issues of the pandemic on a level that I haven't heard anyone else think. He said it was amazing that it's going to help him, it's going to help his church, that I shared the answers to the questions I've had to think through. I'm telling you right now, if you have staff that aren't sure, if you have people who aren't sure, this lesson will help. Questions I've had to answer. The second lesson, leadership according to Exodus. You want a template for creating a leadership model that you can teach your people? This will be it. It is a very exegetical study from the book of Exodus on leadership from the beginning to the end. This will help you. The third lesson, learning how to think. One of the things that's interesting to me is to hear who responds to what lessons. To anyone who has been in ministry a long time, they came to me and they said, this lesson was gold. This lesson helped them. The fourth lesson on leading when you have little authority. So many people think, well, if I have authority, I can lead. This whole lesson was how to lead when you have little authority. Those are the four lessons, questions I've had to answer, leadership according to Exodus, learning how to think, and leading when you have little authority. If you want these lessons, you can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and you can go to my website, and you can download them for $15. All four lessons 
for $15. I think you'll find that they're gold. I think that you will find that they're helpful. I think you that you will find that they will launch your church in some very, very positive ways. Again, our conference was excellent. Uh, we only take 350 pastors. We've already had 312 sign up. If you weren't there and you want to sign up, we will be full by the end of December. So if you're interested in coming, you need to call Katie Palmer at 972-985-1112 and you need to sign up immediately. Hey, I want to take a moment. I want to talk to you about seven lessons for leaders. Seven lessons for leaders. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back to an extended passage of Scripture where our Lord and Savior taught. In fact, it's probably the longest single message that he taught. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24, and going all the way to the end. And so what I want to say to you is I think that there are seven lessons that if you're a leader, you can glean from. And for me, theologically, whenever I have questions, whenever I have issues that I want to resolve, here's the thing. I always go back to red letter words, those words that were spoken by our Lord Savior. They're like the Supreme Court for me. They have the final say. So today, beginning in Matthew 6, 24 through verse 34, I want to give you seven lessons for leaders. The first lesson is this, establish your non-negotiables, values that are not subject to debate. Establish your non-negotiable values which are not subject to debate. We all know this passage begins with no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. See, Jesus is starting out about the need that we have to create clarity. And clarity in our life always comes from clear priorities. And clear priorities, they resolve questions and they resolve disputes. See, priorities create a baseline to measure all uncertainties against. That's what our priorities do. When we create a priority and we say this is a non-negotiable. This is something that is not subject to debate. When we create that particular moment, then what we're doing is we are beginning to resolve questions and disputes that can arise. See, when you survey property, there's always the focal point. It is the iron rod that is pinned down at a certain corner. Everything is measured from that. Every measurement is a certain degree. It's a certain number of feet. It's a certain number of inches. And it all measures from that focal point. That's what priorities are. They're a focal point. They said, this is a priority. Uh, we're going to measure everything against it. 
We're not going to move our focal point. This is where we're going to measure. In medicine, it's the gold standard. It is the standard of treatment that has been proven. If you have this disease, this is the gold standard. These are the processes we put you through because this is the standard of treatment. See, leadership is a constant tug of war, but your priorities tell you which way to go. So when you get tugged on, you get pulled on, it tells you exactly which way to go. So the very first lesson when it comes to understanding leadership, establish your non-negotiables, values that are not subject to debate. Number two, don't get worked up over things that don't matter. Don't get worked up over things that don't matter. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is life not more than the food and the body more than the clothing? See, Don't get worked up over things that really and the scope of the journey do not matter. In leadership, there's never a shortage of drama. There's never a shortage of people who are experiencing drama, will hand off their drama. There's not a shortage of drama moments for you and for others. But see, You can't jump every time someone or something screams at you. Otherwise, as a leader, your feet will never be on the ground. You will be jumping repeatedly. See, as leaders, it's not that you don't care, but rather you choose to care about what's important. A lot of people will come to you, don't you care? I do care. But what I care about is I care about it's what is really, really important. As, as leaders, it's not about what you don't care, but rather that you choose to care about things that are critically important. So in your life, you begin to understand you can't get worked up about things that don't matter. As much as people say, hey, this is a problem I can't get worked up about. Hey, this is an issue. I can't get worked up about this issue. Hey, you've got to do this. I can't get worked up for that. The next principle, leadership skills will never replace the need for faith. Leadership skills will never replace the need for faith. See, if you're going to be an effective leader, then here's the thing. You are always going to have to have vibrant faith. He says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. See, leaders at times can come across as being independent. I've got it together. But see, if you're a high-profile Christian leader, what you know is that you're effective when you're totally dependent. When you're dependent on him. 
When you put yourself in a place where you are trusting him, trust the Lord with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding in all my ways, acknowledge him and he will direct my path. Psalm 55 verse 20, commit your way to the Lord and he will sustain you. That place of confident trust Why? Hebrews 11, 6, For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, your skills and your strengths must always be filtered through your faith. No matter how skilled I am, no matter how strong I am in areas, There's no area of skill or strength that is a replacement of faith. And anytime I think my skills can replace my faith, I'm heading towards a disaster. So leadership skills never replace the need for faith. The next principle, there are issues which are beyond our controls. Don't waste time worrying about them. You know, in leadership, there are things I control and there are things I don't control. The things I control, I lead in. The things I don't control, I believe in. And so in Matthew 6, 27 and 28, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? How many of you, by your thought, your aggressive, repetitive thought can change how tall you are. See, there are things in our life, it's either God or it's not. It's either a God thing or it's not going to be a thing. And what the Bible asks us to do is control what we can, but to pray about what we can't. So there are problems I can handle, but there are problems that are beyond any amount of skill set that I possess. And here's the thing. I control those areas I have control over. But I pray and I put God in control over the things I don't have control over. Remember, prayer is inviting God to control what you can't control. And it is inviting God to control where you cannot control. So there are issues which are beyond your control. Don't waste your time worrying about them. See, there are things that were not created to be in your hands. They were only created to be in his hands. Because when they're in his hands, they can be taken care of. When they're in your hands, they cannot be managed. The next principle, don't let the currents of life consume you. Don't let the currents of life consume you. Matthew 6, 31 and 32, therefore do not worry saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what shall we wear. For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Now, what he's talking about is that In this world, there are people who trust, there are people who don't trust. 
There are people who believe. There are people who don't believe. And he said the people who don't believe, they seek life and they seek things. In this case, he uses the word Gentiles. For the Jewish people, that referred to a non-believer. And he said they seek these things. They pursue these things. And what he's saying is simply this. Just because everyone else is caught up in a flow and a current and they're being drawn certain places, just because everyone else is drawn places doesn't mean that's where you should go. Just because other people are drawn places, that doesn't mean that that's where you should end up. Here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that life will take you places you shouldn't go. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it talks about the course of this world, the currents of this world. This world will take you to a place that seems good on the surface, but it's not where you want to go. Because when you get there, you're going to find out it wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't what life told me it was. And it's going to do something I was unaware of. So life will take you places you shouldn't go. Choose to live life differently than others. Choose to live life differently than others. So don't let the currents of this life consume you. The next principle, do what's best for the kingdom. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, God really does ask for our best, our best time, our best talent, and our best treasure. He asks for the best of who we are. God doesn't want leftovers in life. He doesn't want things that need to be warmed up. He wants the freshest and the hottest part of our life that is the best that we have. So it says, seek first. See, our goals, our dreams, and our agendas must be secondary to God. They can never be primary. People will come to me and say, well, I have this dream. And I just sort of smile because... Here's the thing. God didn't put you here for your dream. He put you here for his dream. Well, I have this agenda. God didn't put you here for your agenda. He put you here for his agenda. The sooner I'm willing to come to God and say, my dreams, my agendas are secondary to yours is the day that I start seeing fulfillment in my life. What I want or like has to be continually submitted to God, and it has to be submitted to his will. We never pray more profoundly than the words of Jesus when he prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Every day, we consecrate ourselves, saying as much as I have dreams and ambitions, my dreams and ambitions must be secondary to what God wants to do. And they can only be managed by who and what God is saying. So 
What I want or like has to be continually submitted to God's will. We serve at the pleasure of the king. That's who we serve by. The next principle, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Watch the clock. God asks us to be clock-oriented, but not clock-consumed. And that's tough. I need to have an orientation of the clock, but I cannot be consumed by the clock. And so what he says is, do not worry about tomorrow. See, there's things out there I don't know are coming, but I know something's coming. There are things out there that I don't know are happening, but there's some things that are happening. So here's the thing. You've got to learn from yesterday. You have to live for today. You have to pray for tomorrow. That's how God asked a Christian leader to manage the clock. Let me go over it again. Learn from yesterday. Live for today. Pray for tomorrow. That is the way we manage our clock before God. We're always learning. Hey, I want the lessons of yesterday. I want to be smarter today. I live for today. I'm going to be fully present in who I am. And I'm going to pray for tomorrow. Seven lessons. Let me give them to you. Establish your non-negotiables. Values that are not subject to debate. Don't get worked up over things which don't matter. Leadership skills will never replace the need for vibrant faith. There are issues which are beyond your control. Don't waste time worrying about them. Don't let the currents of life consume you. Do what's best for the kingdom. Watch the clock. These are seven lessons. They're simple. They're from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They create a template for leadership. And what I can tell you is they're leadership gold. It is how we lead. I want to revisit what I said at the very beginning. We just concluded our pastor's conference. It was amazing. I did four lessons, questions I've had to answer. Bishop Del Bronner said it was amazing. Two, leadership according to Exodus. You want a guide to teach and raise up leaders? Get that. Three, learning how to think. And four, leading when you have little authority. If you want these lessons, you can download all four of them for $15 by going to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. Thank you so much for joining me. I know that God's using you. There's never been a time that we need leaders and we need leaders like you. You are a game changer. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.